Welcome to the Talk Griefy to Me podcast presented by Tatum the Label. On Talk Griefy to Me, we pull back the curtain on all things grief. I'm here to have real and raw conversations about the challenges we face on this everlasting journey, share my experiences, and bring education and awareness to the world of grief. This podcast is created for the loved, the lost, the lonely, and everyone in between. I welcome you to listen along with an open mind as we all experience grief in different ways. Let's learn how to intertwine grief and life together. Let's talk griefy. Welcome back to the Talk Grief to Me podcast presented by Tatum the Label. On today's episode, we look at the origin of the five stages of grief, which were originally the five stages of death, a few more types of loss and grief, and what grief is versus what grief isn't. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So I've listened to episode two probably upwards of 15 times now. Um, I think that's just the fact that, (laughs) number one, it's a little cringy to hear yourself talk. I want to make sure what I'm saying is what I want to say and that it's correct. Um, Also, I have to edit it and go through and make the little reels and all this different stuff. And so as I was listening to it, um, I hope you guys liked it. I had some more stuff that I wanted to say and do like a what is grief part two, because there are some things that I wanted to touch on a little bit more and some things that I think I missed. and. Some more about grief that I want to um, just shine or shed some light on. So, a big part of grief for non grievers, and they've probably, you know, uh, whispered this to you in the first week or the first time they saw you, are the five stages of grief. And if you're a non griever, maybe you haven't heard this, or maybe you're a griever and you haven't heard this either, but The five stages of grief were originally not created for grief after death. The five stages of grief were originally called the five stages of death, and it was the five stages you go through um, when you have been diagnosed with a terminally ill disease um, or a terminal disease. I don't know how you would say that. Um, Like cancer or some other um, life-threatening disease that you know your life may come to an end. And so you and the people around you would go through these five stages of death. And somewhere along the lines, they took those five stages of death and turned them into these five stages of grief and their denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And so to non-grievers, they easily are like, have you finished your stages yet? Are you to the finish line? Have you accepted this? Are you in the final stage? Like there's some ending? and I don't think it comes from a place of rudeness at all. I think it's just um, a lack of education, right? And I even, I remember the first time that Keith's parents came over to our house um, a few days after Keith died. And we sat outside um, and we listened to the little waterfall in the pool. And no one really said anything for a while. You know, we all just kind of sat there and enjoyed each other's presence. and one of the first things I said was, so have you guys heard the five stages of grief? 
And I innocently was never educated and I didn't know and I didn't do my research. I'm a few days in not knowing what's going on or what I'm supposed to do. And they were like, what's the five stages of grief? And so I tell them, oh, you know, I looked it up and the five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Like, which one do you think you guys are in? And so we all sat there for like an hour and we were going around in a circle, my parents, me, Keith's parents, and my cousin Haley. which is my best friend and like the best person that you'll ever meet. (laughs) Um, She's amazing. And we all kind of went around in a circle and just identified like where where we were at. Um, And then I very innocently told them like, um, you know, you could go through multiple stages at the same time. You don't have to just be in one and you can move through them differently. And you, and yeah, I, I'm not gonna um, dog myself for it because you don't know what you don't know. But the more research that I did and the more I learned, the more I kind of just learned through experience. I was like, yeah, this is not, this is not it. You know, grief is so much more than just these five stages. It wasn't even created for this. Grief is so many things going on at one time that don't make sense. They're not stages. They're not checkpoints they're not anything like that so if someone is pressuring you or asking you this um there are no five stages of grief there is no finish line there is no time that this all ends um you know and you're like i got my high school diploma i graduated college i graduated grief i'm done what's next where do we go from here um just If you're a griever, you know it just doesn't work like that. Another thing I wanted to touch on was what is grief and what isn't grief? A lot of people on the outside, and innocently some grievers too on this side of it, think that, actually I take that back, a lot of grievers on this side probably think this, and I did for a while, is grieving is crying. So if I'm not crying, I'm not grieving. And if I'm not upset or I'm out doing something, I'm not grieving. And if I look like I'm happy, I'm not grieving. And if I'm smiling, I'm not grieving. And that was a really hard thing to wrap my head around. Um, How could I do something and have one emotion and also have grief on this back burner or as my secondary emotion? And so um, I'm reading this book right now called Good Morning from these girls that run the Good Morning podcast, Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And they have something like a pie chart in here that's really cool. It says, what, what non-grievers think grief looks like? Crying. What grief actually looks like? Crying, laughing, yelling, reminiscing, celebrating, socializing, etc., etc., right? Um, grief is not just being sad or looking sad. And that ties into um, my Tatum the Label stuff that says be a kind effing human. Like you have no idea what someone's going through and if they are able to hide it or maybe get a break from their grief for a second and enjoy a moment, like don't take that away from them and don't um, make them feel any less for it. Don't um, think that they're not sad anymore. Don't think that they're not grieving, right? Like these are really vulnerable emotions that maybe sometimes people don't show. And I got that a lot. And I, you know, we all 
have guilt and grief. Most of us have guilt and grief. And I felt really, really, really guilty for that. Really guilty for maybe having a a moment of excitement and then feeling really guilty that I had that moment of excitement. You know, like, how dare you have that moment of excitement um, when Keith doesn't get to have any more moments of excitement and he's not here to experience it. And how dare you go experience something new without him? And I know to non-grievers, they're like, our society is fixers, right? Like, but you can have joy and happiness and excitement for the rest of your life. You can find it without Keith. I'm not talking about that. I'm taking an emotion as it comes, and guilt is one of those. And it's really, really hard to have um, any great emotion that doesn't get flooded with with, um, guilt afterwards. Another thing for what grief is and what grief isn't, as we talked in the last episode about instrumental and intuitive grievers. So remember, intuitive griever is grieving with your heart more than your head. And instrumental grievers is grieving with your head more than your heart. And I listened to the podcast, like I said, like upwards of 15 times. And I'm sitting there thinking like, I think I'm a mixture of both. And I definitely pushed it really that I was an intuitive griever and an intuitive griever only. But I think probably probably through evidence, we can see that I'm probably half and half. I have a lot of instrumental in me too. Like I'm a task oriented and I'm a go, go, go. I just do that with my emotion at the same time. I don't really put them away and act like emotionless and only stay task oriented. But I have Tatum the label and I have a lot of things going on in my life that I like to keep busy and I like to keep up on things. So I'm going to backtrack and say that. I'm probably a little bit of both, which is okay. Um, But what grief is and what grief isn't. Grief is also being task-oriented and taking a break from your grief or dissociating um, and focusing on something else for a little bit rather than 24 hours of your day being griefy. And it's so crazy that I say that now because for the first, like, I remember... In the first month, I picked up a book and they were like, you know, when you're driving and you don't realize that they died, but then it shocks you again and you realize, and I'm sitting there like, what? There's going to be a point in my life where I don't remember that Keith's dead. Like, what are you guys talking about? You guys definitely didn't love your person as much as I did. You definitely didn't understand what I'm going through. And I get it now, and it's much different, but in those first few months, it's like the only thing that's on your mind is the death, and that's not saying now that I have other things on, on my mind, and they move Keith Keith dying to the side. They just coexist with each other. I can think of something else and also think that Keith, you know, be very aware that Keith died and have it on the back of my mind the whole time, but those first few months, it's like, Nothing else even sticks. I'm not a sponge. I'm a rock. I'm a stone. And the only thing inside of that is Keith, right? I am not, I was not intaking anything other than Keith died, Keith died, Keith died. Like that was it. That was all that was happening. Another part of grief that I was touching on in the last episode, episode two, 
but I wasn't putting a name to it is secondary grief. And those are all of those additional losses. Like I lost Keith and I also lost my role as a girlfriend. I also lost our role in society as a couple. I also lost my future. I also lost a future, you know, parent and partner to parent with. I lost so many things and there's so many secondary losses. And those sometimes, especially all together, are just as big as your loss of your person. And they all are working and stewing inside of you at the same time. Um, so I wanted to put a, a name to what that was, and that's secondary losses. Grieving the loss that's more than just your person. Another type of grief is anticipatory grief. And that is you or a family member or a friend or someone in your community or around you gets diagnosed with an illness. And you know that their life now has an expiration date on it. And you start grieving yourself, your future, these secondary losses, the other person before they're gone. And that's really confusing. And I don't know that because Keith and I got in a car accident. But I have learned a lot about it and read a lot about it and have friends that have gone through it and are continuing to go through it. And that's just as important, just as validated um, as losing someone. Anticipating that you're going to lose them has to be an extremely hard thing to live with every single day. And then let's add on top of that being a caretaker, actually having to take care of that person and putting your life on, on, you know, aside and focusing on helping them, but knowing that you can't just go on a trip right now, or you can't spend the time with them in a way that maybe you guys want to, maybe a more pleasant way or a more comfortable way. Now you're giving meds and going to maybe a nursing home or a hospital or going to their house that's all rearranged for this new life that they've just been dealt that they don't deserve. Anticipatory grief is real and very recognized. Another is disenfranchised grief. Disenfranchised grief um, kind of falls, I kind of fall there, although I refuse to, is when society doesn't recognize your loss. So Keith and I are not married. Right. So people could say that that's disenfranchised grief. And people have asked me, you know, are you really allowed to call yourself a widow? And I sassily say, I can call myself whatever I want. I was planning on, we were planning on getting married. It was in the plan. It was a talk. We had made decisions about marriage and our rest of our life and kids and all of these things. And so, yes, I am allowed to call myself a widow. Some people might not recognize it, and that's called disenfranchised grief. Or um, at Camp Widow, I met some people, and I have read in some, some of my widow books, like someone that had a relationship that wasn't made public yet. Or maybe the parents didn't know. You know, the siblings didn't know about a relationship that's disenfranchised grief, grief that's not recognized by not only society, but other family members, the people around you, your friends, um, people at work, you know. That's, uh, well, you're not allowed to grieve that person. You weren't blank. You weren't 
dating. You weren't married. You weren't in a relationship. You weren't that close of friends. You're really sad over that. You're not that close of friends. That's disenfranchised grief. I was reading in the book Good Morning, which I haven't been able to put down. And they do something really cool in the book where they have people, I don't know if they've talked to these people or they have submitted, um, you know, entries to them. But in between every few pages, they have like an entry that someone sent them, wrote in, however they got them. And someone said one thing they learned about grief was that just as much as it is mental, it is physical. And they found out that it physically just needed to leave their body, whether it be a walk, being creative, art, music, dancing, cooking, reading. It had something that had to do with their body, their hands, their physical, that they just had to get out and just imagined it like pretty much coming out of their fingertips. And the way that she said it in the imagery was just amazing, um, spot on. And so I can relate to that a lot. Um, Right when Keith died, I had always really liked drawing, but I was never like great at it. And I had an iPad that I always did sketches on just every so often. And I just picked it up and I was like 12, 14 hours a day. I mean, my, I, I would have to ice my wrist. <laughs> like my wrist was hurt so bad. It was all I could do. And it was the only way that I could really, it was art. It was getting something off of my chest, off of my mind, off, you know, out of my heart and onto the paper and a way for me to show my love for Keith and my grief for him as well. And what I was feeling without having to try to explain it or put it into words for people. And it was so therapeutic. Can't explain how therapeutic it was. It was like journaling and I'm really big on journaling. I think it's a great way to reflect. Um, I've journaled since I was like 13. It's a great way to look back and reflect and see how much you've grown and see how much you've changed and how it's funny. You can look back at like an entry and be like, how did you not know how to make that decision? Like it was clearly, you know, right there when when you read it so far removed or with your emotions, you know, less attached. I, it's so much easier to see what I should have done or what was, you know, the right choice. Journaling is the same thing. It's a way for you to express yourself and not have to do it to anybody else but you. It's like living with your thoughts, but putting them on paper and getting them off your chest and venting to a therapist or a friend, but you still got to keep it a secret. You still got to keep its value, keep vulnerable within yourself, um, keep it just you being you. And the last thing I wanted to touch on was complicated grief. And I don't know how much I agree with this, but I'm going to explain to you what complicated grief is. To me, I just see it as grief. But they say that complicated grief is when you can't move past your grief and when it starts to show symptoms or signs of depression. And to me, I'm like, I will forever be stuck in my grief. I don't see at any point I'll be like moving past this. I think it's been complicated since day one. I don't think there was a timeline, you know, that there is no timeline in grief or healing or anything like that. It's your personal timeline, but there's no timeline of when I like um, passed this checkpoint that was like, oh, you had simple grief, but now you have complicated grief. 
Um, you could agree with it. You don't have to agree with me. I just, for my own personal situation, I th- think I've had complicated grief since day one. And maybe they talk about complicated grief in a way that's just grief in general, right? Like you may have simple grief with losing a job where like after a month you're okay with the decision you made and you like your new job, but you grieved it for a month. But in death, I think all death is complicated grief and I could be wrong. Um, but that is complicated grief. Showing um, signs and symptoms of depression that like don't go away. Um, and I am definitely going to do an episode on depression. Um, I think it would be great to just bring some light to what depression is and something I've never felt before. I didn't even understand really. I so innocently just didn't ever experience something um, so devastating in my life to, or just some, anything in my life to make me depressed. But I hope this gave you a little bit more insight to what grief is and what grief isn't. And just to piggyback off of the first episode, I just had some more things that I wanted to say and explain. And again, I invite you to maybe take five minutes after this and write down, you know, do you have secondary grief and what are they? Did you experience anticipatory grief and maybe you just didn't have a a term or a word to put to it and how that felt? Um, Maybe you can write your own pie chart, what grief is and what grief isn't. What your friends and family think grief is for you versus what grief actually is to you. They think grief is telling them you're sad. You think grief is looking at pictures. Um, they think grief is crying. You think grief is your everyday emotion. It's anything. It's hanging out with your friends or it's crying in your shower. Do you think you have complicated grief in whatever you're grieving? If you're grieving a death, does it seem like complicated grief? Do you see signs of depression? And then maybe do you do something that's creative? Do you get grief out of your body? And if you do, if you do get it out, how? Working out, yoga, art, music, walking in the park, playing with your dog or your cat, playing with your kids. Again, I hope this brought some more insight and I hope that you can take some time to journal and reflect back and I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen and meet me in a place of kindness and vulnerability. The world is full of grievers and grief supporters. Together, we can change the world and bring light to the darkness inside of grief. For more episodes, resources, and grief tools, please visit us at TatumTheLabel.com.